ask for the Lord's help and dive into the message together this morning. The Bible says this in James chapter number 4, verse number 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We talked about that last week. That was where we spent our time last week. Now this week we're going to dive into these next verses. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Uh, uh, excuse me, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Let's ask for the Lord's help, and uh, and then we're going to dive into these these verses together this morning and see what God has for us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us, and Lord, how you've already spoken to my heart so deeply this morning. And God, I've been encouraged just being here, and, and God, even in our, our small group time, Lord, it's just been a, a help to me. And God, now I pray that as we look at this passage of Scripture, Lord, we need this. I need this, Lord. I thank you, God, how you've ministered to my heart even this week as I've been reading and studying. And I pray now that as we dive into these verses, that we'd look at them like they would be like the very first time that we've seen them. And God, that our hearts would be challenged by it. And Lord, that we would walk closer to you than we ever have because of what we're going to see this morning. I pray, God, you'd point those things out that need to be pointed out. And God, that we would have a tender heart that's ready to respond to you from what we heard. Thank you, Lord, for what your Holy Spirit's going to do, what he's already doing, and we give you all the praise and the honor and the glory for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If I was to ask you this morning how that you could be close to God, what would you say? If, if we went around this morning and said, hey, give me, give me some examples of, of some things that you'd say, hey, this is, this is how you can be close to God. Um, you know, what, what would come to your mind? Many, many of you, like me, the very first thing that comes to my mind is Bible reading. Bible reading and prayer. You know, and I think it stems from whenever I was a, a kid, you know, and we even sing it in our kids' class uh, now. We, we sing that song, read your Bible, pray every day, and what? And you'll grow, 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 right? And we, we would sing this song together, and we talk about that. And I mean, that's... It's true, that is a part of, of drawing close to God, being close to God, is reading our Bible and praying every day, absolutely. There, there might be some that, that would say, well, you know, the answer, the secret to, to getting close to God is coming to church. Hey, listen, I'm glad you think that, so you came to church, all right? That's great, okay? Uh, and listen, that is a part of, 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 of encouraging our relationship with God, is, is coming to church. There's, there's no question about that. All of these things are, are good things. But imagine with me that you're in the first century now. The first century. Christ has just left and he's went to heaven. There aren't churches necessarily like we have. They don't have a Bible like we have today. Sure, they've got some of the, the Old Testament Torah, and they, they've got some of the, the, the copies of, the, uh, of, of different manuscripts and things like that, and that maybe they can go back and they could look at and stuff like that. But the average person does not have a, a, a copy of God's Word like we'd have it today. Listen, they couldn't pull out their cell phone and pull it up on their app, okay? It wasn't something that they were able to do, all right? That's not something they had. So, so when James says these words, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you, their thoughts did not go to reading their Bible. In fact, it didn't go to going to church. That wasn't where their, their minds would have went. No, James... He writes to these, these, these first century Christians, these new believers, 
And he says, listen, you want to know how you can draw nigh to God? You, you want to be close to him? And I mean, they were hungry to, to grow close to, to the Lord. They were hungry for that relationship with him. No question. He said, you want to know the secret, the answer to how you can draw close to God, first century believer? The answer there is in verse number 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. And he says this, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He says, listen, you want to be close to God? God wants to be close to you. He says, I've got the answer for you. And he says, but it's not what we as 21st century Christians might initially think about. See, two weeks ago, we, we talked about it already. We were in verse number 7, and we learned what it went to, to submit to God and resist the devil. Like a soldier in the army, it was willingly placing ourselves under the control of God. We talked about how, uh, listen, it's not like uh, wrestling or, or, or jiu-jitsu is what we talked about. You know, when we think about submission, yesterday, Jace has, has started wrestling, and, and yesterday, they had a wrestling match, and, and uh, he was up there, and he's wrestling against all these different kids and stuff like that, and the object was, what you're trying to do you're trying to pin the kid to the mat and what you're making them submit to your will and, and sometimes we think of submission and that's what we think of we think oh God just wants to pin me down you know with, the, with what he wants but that's not what he was saying there no he's talking about a relationship between a soldier and, and his authority the one that was above him a willful placing ourselves under the one who is in control of our lives and in this power to stand every day against the attacks and the will of the devil. To consciously choose not just to go through with the flow, but to stand against our flesh and the wicked one. But then James doesn't stop there. Not only does he tell us that we must choose to submit to God, in verse 8 he tells us that we must draw nigh to God. The one that we are submitting to as our captain. The one that we are making the authority of our life. He doesn't want it to be a cold dictatorship. You understand that, that, that James wasn't saying, listen, God's going to be this, this far off being that's sitting there and he's throwing lightning bolts down whenever you make the wrong decision. And, 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 and I mean, it's just some, some far off person that you can't have a relationship with. No, no, no. That's not what he says. He says, listen, I want you not only to allow him to be the, the one in control of your life as the authority of your life that you're really submitting to and you're, you're battling with his power behind you. But he said, listen, I want you to have a relationship with him. And he says, if you will draw closer to God and closer to God and closer to God, he says this, he says, God will draw closer to you. That's an incredible thought. I mean, we, w w this isn't the point of the message, but this is, this is fascinating just, just to realize the God of creation that created everything wants to have a relationship with me. With me. The Bible tells us in, in Proverbs 18.24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And it says this, and there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He wants, not, just, not just like a, a casual, he wants it to be close. You realize the Bible tells us he wants to be so close to you that, that he actually knows every hair on your head. Now listen, for some of you that's easier than others, okay? It's just the reality, okay? But... But that's fascinating. When, when Tressa and I first, 
when I first started pursuing Tressa, I did my best to find out the things that she liked because I wanted to, to be able to give those things to her and, and, and make her happy, you know? And I was pursuing her. And, and I discovered at that time, and we talked about it before, her incredible love of cheese, all right? Uh, you know, many times at, at, at uh, Valentine's Day, you know, people will buy chocolate for their loved ones, not me. You know, if I'm going to buy her something like that, it's going to be cheese, all right? It's just going to be, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a special kind of cheese. She loves cheese. It's one of her favorite things. And when I was first learning about her, I didn't know much about her, but I knew that she was from Montana. So the natural first thing that I got for her was a container of beef jerky. All right. I mean, it just, I mean, it just kind of went together. Montana beef jerky. I mean, come on, you know, everybody likes beef jerky, right? I mean, that was, and she, listen, she didn't run away. Okay. So it's on her. All right. Uh, that was, that's just what it is. I, I wanted to do my best to know everything I could about her. And we have a God, listen, that knows how many hairs are on my head. Knows how many hairs are on your head. To this day, there's many things that I'm still learning about Tressa, but I'll, there's, there's a lot of things that I'll never be able to know that well, that intimately. God knows every intimate detail of our life. But listen, he's not finished that with that. He wants to continue to grow closer and closer and closer to us. And what he says in verses 8 and 9 is stunning. Because he gives us the answer there to how we can grow closer. He says, James writing to that, those, 21st, those first century Christians, he says, listen, you want to know how to, to grow closer to God? He says, the answer, I'm going to give you the answer to how to draw nigh to God. And listen, he doesn't say, pick up your Bible and read it. They didn't have it. He doesn't say, go to church and hear a pastor preach. Well, they, 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 I mean, there wasn't churches like we have today. Sure, they had, uh, they had synagogues and tabernacles, and sometimes that happened. And, and that was something that was eventually introduced. But James wasn't even a pastor at this time. No, his answer to how do we draw nigh to God, it's there in verse number 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. James deals with two specific areas of the Christian life that were necessary to be close to the Lord. And his first command is this. Cleanse your hands. Cleanse your hands. In Exodus chapter number 30, commands are, are given to Aaron and to his sons. They were the, the priests that would, that would offer the sacrifices in the tabernacle. And before they could enter in and they could offer those sacrifices, there was a little uh, brazen basin that was out there made of brass. And before they could go into the, to that, that holy place of the, of the tabernacle, before they could enter in, one of the things that they had to do was walk over and they had to wash their hands in the water that was in that brazen, uh, that, that, that brazen bowl that was there, that, that brass bowl that was there. What was it? It was a signifying of what? It was a signifying that I am unclean and God is perfectly holy recognizing that there are impurities in my life, and yet God has no impurities. He really is holy, holy, holy. You've probably seen kids 
uh, do things like my kids do. We were talking about it uh, the other night, and we were, I was kind of sharing with them about the message, and I told them, I said, you know, I'm going to share with them the, about this. Uh, you, they prob- you've probably seen where your kids go out and they play and they do things, and, and they get into all kinds of different things. Our kids are, are always into all kinds of different things. The other day, Jace was outside. He was helping me with something. He wanted to build a little little uh, box for his, his sister, and uh, so she could put some of her little jewelry things in there. And so we were out in the garage, and, and we're building it together, and while we're out there, all of a sudden he said, Daddy, I found a spider. I was like, oh, okay, great, you know. And he's like, I think we should take it inside and show it to mommy. And I was like, I think that's a, gr- that's a great idea. I think you should definitely do that. And so, so he took it inside and, and to show mommy. And, and, of course, and then him and, and, and Kanoa came up with a plan so they could keep, keep the spider. And so they went over and they grape. We, we just finished eating a whole container of grapes. And they decided they were going to put him in the grape container. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen a grape container, a plastic grape container before. They have holes. I mean, the whole, the whole thing. But Kanoa, she, she knew, so she put, obviously, you know, she wanted to crawl through the bottom or the top, so she put tape on the top and the bottom. But there's holes on the sides as well. And so a little bit later, we're sitting there at supper, and she said, yeah, she said, we put the spider in there, but it, it, somehow it got out. You know, and it's like, oh, bummer. You know, it's a, that's kind of the way it is. They're, they're constantly into things, and, and uh, they'll go out, and they'll play, and they'll get dirty, and all kinds of different things, and they'll come inside, and and uh, we'll tell them. One of the first things that we tell them, almost any time, you know, we, if we've been at the store, if we went somewhere, we walk in the house, we'll tell them, go wash your hands. Go wash your hands. You need to go wash your hands. And, and this happens sometimes. They'll go in, and, uh, and it's crazy. You probably remember doing this as a kid. They go in there, and they'll turn on the water and let it run for a couple minutes, and then they'll just they'll turn it off. And they'll come out, and we'll be like, did you wash your hands? And they say, Yes. And Tressa started doing this. She said, let me smell them. And so, and at that point, it's like, oh no. <laughs> like, she's on to me. She knows what's going on here. And, and uh, you know, we've probably seen kids that, that go in and, uh, you know, they, they'll wash one side of their hands and you go and you, you look and, oh, look, my hands are clean. And you flip them over and it's like, oh, you know, and it's covered, covered in dirt, right? You know, go, go wash your hands. We, we've had them say this before. We say, go, go wash your hands. And they'd say this, I don't need to. I don't need to wash my hands. Mommy, look, my hands are clean. I can't see anything on them. And as we were talking with them the other night, we said, you understand that there's bacteria that gets on your hands and and you may not be able to see it, but it's still there. Isn't that how we are with God? I don't think my hands are dirty. I don't need to. And he says... You need to cleanse your hands. Yeah, but I did that before. I took care of that a long time ago. You know, I've dealt with that. I think I'm doing all right. I, I don't think that I'm dirty. But God says, if you want to understand what it is to be close to me, you must cleanse yourself of your sin. This is fascinating. We were talking about it over here in, in, uh, in our uh, Sunday school this morning. He doesn't say there... Cleanse your hands by asking the Holy Spirit to cleanse you of your sin there. Now, that, that is part of it, but, but it's interesting because what he says there is cleanse your hands. He says this is something you need to do. See, after we get saved, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We have all power that's given to us in heaven and earth, the Bible says. We have every ability not to be under the bondage of sin and the flesh. 
So when we come to God and say, God, I just can't do it, He says, cleanse your hands. This is something that you need to take care of. You need to see it. And listen, friend, the truth is, is so many of us, sometimes we look at our life and, and we think, well, I just don't think there's anything there, and so God, will you just show me? And sometimes, sometimes you, you can't get to that place, but let's just be honest, most of the time, we know exactly what's unclean. We just refuse to deal with it. We refuse to, to make it clean. God says, if you want to be close to me, you have to cleanse yourself. In Psalm 19, verse number 12, he said, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. See, there are some times where maybe you say, You know what, I, I, God, I feel like I am close to you. But God, if there is something wrong, will you point it out? We mentioned it this morning in, in Sunday school. The truth is, is from a distance... When you look in a mirror, you can see some of the major flaws. I mean, like, if, you know, if you're, if you're walking from a distance, or maybe you walk in the house, and, and I, I've been in houses where people have a mirror right, right inside the door of their house, and, and you walk in, and as you're kind of passing by, you can look by, and what do you do? Oh, yeah, I need to, need to well, guys don't, but the girl, ladies, you do it. You know, you're, oh, i got to fix my hair, you know, real quick. But then, this is what happens, and, and I know this because I'm married to one, a lady, okay? This is what happens. They, they start out with this, and then they get closer, and then they get closer. And then they get real close. Because then they can start to see other things. And, and I'm just like, you look beautiful. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Like it's not something, you know, guys, we, we're good from this distance. You know, it's just like, yeah, everything's fine. You know what I mean? It's good. Uh, it's just, just the way that it is. Hey, listen. Here's what happens. As you draw near to God, those imperfections become more and more clear. You see, from a distance, it's real easy to see when things are dirty, right? But sometimes we can miss the bacteria that's been growing for a while. And sometimes we might say, God, I don't need to. And God says, oh yeah, but there's something that's deep inside of here that you haven't dealt with that you need to take care of. God, cleanse thou me from secret faults he begins to point out those areas that you've been short with your spouse or towards your kids there's a gossip that you have been going on in your life that you've you've covered up as prayer requests right the bitterness that's down deep the bible talks about the root of bitterness can i tell you bitterness oftentimes yes many times it can be seen and, and, and you know what the fruit of bitterness is Anger, unforgiveness, gossip. Those are the fruits of, of, of bitterness. And this is what we do. God, will you forgive me for my anger? God, will you forgive me for my unforgiveness? God, will you for, forgive me for the way that I lashed out here? And, and we'll ask him, but you know what we don't deal with? The bacteria that's down deep called, called bitterness. Something that happened so long ago and I've been holding on to it. And God says, if you want to be closer to me, you have to deal with that. And then he goes on and he says this. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. He literally dives at the heart of the problem. All right, I know, nice little pun there, all right? So... 
He says, your love isn't pure. When I was growing up, I clearly was, was, I don't know what you say. I guess you could say I was a ladies' man, okay? You know, in third grade, it just is what it is, okay? So, um, I, you know, I, I had my first girlfriend at third grade, and, uh, and then I had another girlfriend at third grade, and then another one, and another. It was just, you know, it just kind of was what it was. So, I know, thank you. So, yeah, I'm, con- I'm confessing to you right now, okay? But, but here's what would happen is, is, you know, when you're in third grade, you, you, you know, you got this girlfriend, and, and by the way, I don't recommend this, okay? But you, you have this girlfriend, and, and what do you say to him? Oh, I love you, you know, and, uh, you know, I love Susie, and then, like, two weeks later, it's like, well, I love, you know, Sandy, you know, and, and, and then two weeks after that, it's, I love another S name, I don't know, you know, and yet you got, you got all these other, you know, all these, you know, and you're just kind of moving, moving through, and, and, but listen, one thing I was never dumb enough is to have two at once. Okay, listen, I was no dummy, okay? Because I knew that if, that if Susie and, and Sally found out that I loved both of them at the same time, they would understand that that was impossible and I couldn't do that. And, and then uh, I would be in big trouble. That's what would happen, okay? That was, you know, my, for my, my third grade knowledge, right? Okay, now, now fast forward, okay, to today. I'm very happily married. I know my wife's not here with me today. It's not because we're fighting, all right? But uh, my, my, one of our kids, you know, she's home, home with one of the kiddos and stuff. And, and I regularly tell her, I love you. Especially because we just went to a marriage conference. And so now it's like, okay, we had to like double down on this, all right? And, and, uh, and, and let her know, you know, I love you. And, and let her know and, and tell her, listen, I love you. And I really, really mean it, all right? You know, and, and, and I wanted to tell her that. But, but just imagine what it would be like if she found out that I was telling Susie from third grade that I loved her too, <clears throat> you know what we'd have? A problem. <laughs> I, I should say, I would have a problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, my father-in-law's got 7,000 acres on the other side of the state in tobacco. That's, that's the answer to that problem, all right? That's, that's what would happen there, okay? It would not be, not be a good, good problem. You know, she would look at me and say, that's impossible, you can't love me with a perfect love while you love Susie over there as well. There's no way. And you know what? She'd be right. It's impossible to love with a perfect love if you're double-minded in your love. And that's what James is talking about here. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Why do we think things are any different with God? God, I love you with all of my heart, but I also love this over here. Tress, I love you so much, but I don't have time to spend with you because I'm doing this. I know it's our anniversary, but would it be okay if I went to the ball game, right? You know, and, and then, you know, not good, right? Kyle, you, you're, that's impo- you're loving two different things. Hey, let's put it in perspective. God, I love you so much, but I really also love my hunting. And, and I know sometimes it, I put that above you. But I still love you with all of my heart. God, I love you with all of my heart, but, but I really need some more money to get a few things that I really, really want that'll make me really, really happy. And so God, I love you, but I really love this over here. God, I love you so much, 
I just don't have time to spend with you. Listen, if you said that to your spouse, (laughs) it wouldn't work. And yet we say it to God all the time. God, I'll put you first most of the time, but this one time I just want what, what, listen, what I want. Do you remember back in the beginning of chapter number four? The problem that we talked about? I want what I want, so I'll fight what, for what I want. So God, give me what I want. And do you remember what God said about the person that's, that's like that? Remember what he called them? If you forget, I'll help you. Because it's just a couple verses before in verse number four. He says this, ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Can we say it this way? You can't love both. Not equally. James 1.8, he says, be a double-minded man. You know what he is? He's unstable in all of his ways. And in 1 John, John made it very clear in chapter number 2, verse number 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Listen, if any man love the world, then listen, the love of the Father is not in him. Can we say it this way? The love for the Father is not what it should be. You can't love both equally. You're double-minded in your love. In Matthew 6, 24, he says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or something else. God says, if you want to be close to me and I close to you, you need to cleanse your hands and you need to purify your heart. You've probably heard it said, cleanliness is next to godliness, right? You know, we, we, you've probably heard that before. And listen, so many times we, we say that's, that's in reference to, you know, your house, right? Okay, or, or it's in reference to our room. And let's just be honest, when I was a teenager, I clearly was not very godly then, all right? But that, that, listen, it, it may not be 100% true whenever it comes to the, the cleanliness of your house, but can I tell you this? It's always 100% accurate when it talks about your, your love for God. The cleaner your heart is before him, the more pure your love for him will be. And can we say it like this? Listen, we aren't talking about standards here either. Some people think that, that it's based upon the way that I dress or the way that I look or something like that that, that makes me godly. Can I tell you this? If, it was, if your godliness was completely dependent on the suit that you wore. Listen, Washington, D.C. would be full of godly people. (laughs) And can we just be honest, there's not very many over there, okay? Congress, I mean, could you imagine what our nation would be like with all those godly people in their suits and ties? Listen, no, 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 listen. Standards, we said it so many times, standards aren't what makes a person godly. Now, a godly person will have standards, there's no question. But the goal is not your dress standard. The goal is not your music standard. The goal is not how much money you put in the offering plate, although I hope you put lots in there so we can do more here at the church, all right? Listen, no, 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 listen. That's not the answer. That's not the goal. Well, all of those things can be good things. Listen, the goal is, is Jesus and his holiness. 
The goal is Jesus and his mindset. And what was his mindset? Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And you know what he did? In Philippians chapter number two, it tells us that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know what Paul said? In Galatians 2.20, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me you know what Paul said listen this life that I live is not my own I'm given myself to God I've sacrificed myself to God see the standard is is Matthew 22 verse number 37 Jesus said unto him thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and James says, if you want to truly be close to God, get rid of the sin in your life. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. And what else? Purify your heart, ye double-minded. Love God with all your heart. So we see the answer to drawing nigh to God. But then we see secondly this. And, and, and listen, two-point message. I'm telling you, I, there's a lot of preachers out there that have three points at every message. I'm just telling you, you guys should love me, okay? We have two points, all right? Two points to the message. The second the, is the attitude to draw nigh to God. We see, first of all, the, the answer to draw nigh to God. What, how do we draw nigh to God? Well, to draw nigh to God, then we have to cleanse our hands. We have to purify our hearts. God, if there's any sin in my life, God, I am going to cleanse all of it before you. Cleanse the dirty stuff, the stuff that I can't see, the bacteria that's growing in my heart that I need to deal with. And God, if my heart is divided before you, God, I give it all to you. But there's an attitude that it should be done with if we're truly going to draw nigh to God. It's in verse number 9. Be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your heart and your, and your joy to heaviness. heaviness. So is, is James saying here that we should all just, just, you know, be depressed all the time? Is that what he's saying? We should all walk around and just be sad. And just, oh, I just, I'm a Christian. That's me. That's how you know who I am. Listen, that doesn't line up, okay? That's, that's not what he's saying here. No, no. What James is talking about here is our approach to sin in our life. Can we say it this way? Sin should be dealt with and brokenness. We live in a culture that magnifies sin. It just does. That's, that's the world that we live in. Every show that you can watch on TV, it's just, it's just true. It magnifies the homosexual lifestyle. The world that we live in, it, it tries to take what is good and call it bad and take what is bad and call it good. It's, it's twisting everything around and, and, and it's making all kinds of problems. If, if you want to really see what, what the, the future and what our world is, Jesus talked about it, or, or Paul wrote about it all those years ago back in Romans chapter number one. You can go back there and, and it's a sad situation because in Romans chapter number one, three times he says, God gave them up, God gave them up, God gave them over because of their wicked, idolatrous mindset. You can't watch a sporting event without being bombarded with, with uh, commercials that are blatantly disregarding God and his word. Sin is rampant everywhere. But here is the key. We can see what may be going on in the world and we are quick to pass judgment oftentimes in a harsh way. 
I've seen so many clips and things of Christians that have stood in front of somebody that, listen, I heard, actually, Ray McCormick that was here last week, he said this, and it was so powerful. And not, he didn't say it last week, he said it years ago, I heard him say it. It was when homosexual, the homosexual agenda was really pushing. He said he came, somebody came to him that, that was struggling with this, and they said to him, I just believe I was born this way. And you know what he told them? This floored my mind. He said, I believe you. And for a moment there, I was ready to like, all right, what are you talking about, man? You know, that just doesn't line up. He said this. He, he said he told them, he said, listen, I believe you. We're all born sinners. And we all struggle with sin. And we need to deal with it. Can I tell you, that's a lot different than somebody standing in front of somebody and screaming at them in their face like this. And, ah! here's, here's the key. Listen. Here's the secret. God isn't surprised when the world acts like the world. And neither should we be. The Bible tells us that in the end, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's what the Bible says. He says that's what's going to happen. And so when we stand back, we're like, man, my mind is blown what's going on here. And I've said it, and and oftentimes it is. The truth is, is we shouldn't be surprised. No, it doesn't mean we should accept it. We shouldn't just say, oh, well, it's not a big deal. It just is what it is. No, no, no. We should stand on biblical truth, but we should do so the way Christ would do it. The Pharisees came into Matthew's house and they said, this guy, look at him, Jesus. This man receiveth sinners and he eateth with them. And Jesus looked at him and said, I came, this is who I came for. (laughs) These people don't even realize that they're lost. But they know that they're sinners. Unlike you, religious guy, that all you do is yell at them. It doesn't mean that we should pass it off and pretend like it doesn't matter. But listen, what breaks the heart of God is when his children act like the world. And listen, and it doesn't break their heart. Do you get that? What breaks the heart of God is when his children, those that say, listen, I know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I put my faith and trust in him. I've accepted him as my Savior. I know I'm on my way to heaven. And and then we go and we live like the world. Oh man, I tell you, as, as a father, it hurts when I see my children do things that they shouldn't do. And I know, listen, they're, they're still little kids, and I know the teenage years bring a whole other ball of wax, all right? And I, I'm, beyond, I'm not even ready for it, okay? But and many of you, you, you've been there, you've seen it, and many of you understand what it's like. But, but it hurts when you see your kids fighting with each other or, or, or doing something that they're not supposed to. And it's just like, oh, that breaks my heart. You're not acting like you're part of the family when you're doing these things to each other. Can you imagine what God feels like? When he looks at us and some of the dumb boneheaded things that I do in my life and he looks at me and he's like, oh, you're my child, but man, you're breaking my heart.
See, when a Christian realizes that they've sinned, the response should be not to pass by it lightheartedly. The right response when we recognize sin in our life is to respond in brokenness. To be afflicted and mourn and weep and feel heaviness. This last week I was reading in Joel and I was reminded of these verses in Joel chapter number 2, verses 12 and 13. He says this, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me, listen, with all your heart. But how do you do it? Well, he says it, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. And I love this. And rend your heart and not your garment. And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil or the judgment that he would do. This is stunning. Because you know what our Christianity is most of the time? Here in America, it just is what it is. It's all about the coat. It's all about the outward action. It's all about the thing. You see, we will repent and we will respond to God when everyone else can see us. And it's this outward religion that everybody sees and, oh, look at them, they must be so godly because look at them, they just must be so sad and look at them and, oh, and it's all outward. And you know what God says? He says, listen, I don't want your garment. See, the issue is your heart isn't broken about your sin. Your heart is going two different directions and you're not loving me like you should. Your hands are dirty and you're not concerned with cleaning them. Sure, you'll do it for the show, but really your heart and your, your, your sin between me and you, I know that it's still there. And you're not broken over it. You know what send revival in our church? Revival is a word that gets thrown around all over the place and stuff. And so many people are like, well, look at all the emotion that's there. Clearly revival's happening there. And maybe, I mean, maybe there's some, some, something to that. But you know what revival really is? Let me help you. Revival is just simply, okay? Listen, revival is coming to life again. Okay? So the Bible tells us we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But he quickened us. That means made alive when we, when we accept him as our Savior. So now we're alive. But you know what happens? We talked about it this morning. We go back over and we pick up that old flesh and the old life and we put it back on the old sin. We put our hands back into it again. And we start living our life like we were dead again. And you know what he says? If you want to have revival, what you have to do is you have to be made alive again. Doesn't mean you have to be saved again. What it means is you have to take off the old flesh and you have to say, God, I want to be clean before you. That's revival. We, we make it as this mystical thing. No, no, no. It's really simple, but it's really hard. Because we can know that we need to deal with it and yet refuse to take care of it. We can know that our heart is divided and doubled but we refuse to take care of it. And when we truly understand what our sin is, and we truly understand that it is our sin, my sin, that nailed Jesus Christ on that cross, and we truly see Him there, and His blood dripping from His body, 
to pay for my sin, when we understand what that is, listen, it's not a joyful thing. You know what it is? It's a brokenness thing. It's a heavy thing. God, I did that to you. Those nails, it was as if I was standing there driving them through your hands and through your feet. I was holding the hammer. God, I did that. And you know what it does? Oh, it should break us. David recognized that he had sinned with Bathsheba. You remember the story that David committed adultery that eventually led to murder. And David tried to cover it up until one day Nathan the prophet walks in and says, David, it was you that did this. You sinned against God. And David at that point realized what he had done. And he was, he was broken of it. You say, how do you know? Because he wrote an entire chapter in the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter number 51. Listen to what he said. And I wonder when's the last time you've prayed a prayer like this. He said in Psalm 51, verse number 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to Thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of Thy tender mercies. Lord, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my sins and iniquities. Listen, cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge, I know my transgression. My sin is ever before me. And God against Thee, and Thee only have I sinned. And done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me, God, with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. God, I'm broken. Hide thy face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me, God, listen, a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy way. Then sinners will be converted unto, the, unto, unto thee. Deliver me from the blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation. My tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my, my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Thou desirest not sacrifice. That outward stuff, the taking off of the jacket. He says, that's not what you want, God, else I would give it. No, God, thou delightest not in burnt offerings. But God, I know what you really want. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, thou wilt not despise. When I was growing up, I was the first child that my parents had, so obviously I was the experiment, okay? That's the way that that works, all right? Uh, if you're the first child in here, you understand, okay? It's just the way that it is. They try everything out on you, and they're like, yeah, it didn't really work as well, so we won't do that on the next one. You know, that's just kind of the way it is. If you're an only child in this room, poor thing, all right? So I'm going to tell you, all right? So you got, you got the brunt of it, all right? I, I can remember my parents had to try different le elements of correction in, uh, in my life. Now, some of you grew up in a in a most of you, not in this room, but maybe some of the younger ones, you grew up in a generation of time out. I didn't know what that was. I thought that was, an, that's an interesting concept, time out, okay? You know, uh, my, my parents had a different way of dealing with uh, insurrection, okay? Uh, they, they had a different way of, of dealing with, with disobedience, and, uh, and it came in a leather strap that went around my dad's waist, and uh, they, uh, they would uh, have me go grab that. And, um, you know, uh, if, listen, if you want to press charges, I'll, I'll jump in with you, okay? But listen, no, uh, that this, was, this, was, this was what was, was, uh, helped me, and, and oftentimes the, uh, 
the, the rod of a belt was applied to the seat of knowledge, okay? And then listen, it helped with, with correction. It helped with direction. It helped, and, and listen, I'll be honest, as I look back now, like, uh, you know, I don't remember the sting, but I remember the correction that, that needed to be administered there, all right? That's, that's just the reality, and the, that is a biblical thing in the right way, but that's a different message. But, but I remember a few times as I got a little bit older, Whenever I was a kid, I would run whenever I knew that I was going to get a spanking, and, and that was just a bad idea, okay? It was just it was really bad. And, uh, but I remember as I got a little bit older, it only happened a couple of times. But I, I did something, I, I, I was involved in something, did something that I shouldn't have, have done. And I can remember my dad, and, and listen, you understand this, okay? If you're, a, if you're a parent, you have one of these, okay? I remember my dad looking at me. And when he looked at me, he didn't have to say anything. He looked at me, and I knew, listen, that I disappointed him. I knew that I hurt him. And in that moment, like, I would have ran to the closet, grabbed all, any belt that he wanted, and brought it to him willingly, like, please just use this, because I can't take, I can't take this. Uh, because I had, I had disappointed. And, and, and hurt my dad. And listen, it broke me when I realized that I had done that to my father. Friend, how do you respond when you've sinned against your father? The Bible tells us there ought to be a brokenness. James says, listen, you want to be close to God? You need to recognize, oh God, I'm dirty. I've been going around saying, oh, look, I'm, I'm fine. I don't need to be clean. No, no, no. And God says, oh, there's some stuff in there that's gotten stuck in there for some time that you need to deal with. God, my love for you hasn't been what it should be. He says, if you really want to deal with it, it's not going to be something that you treat flippantly. Just like, oh yeah, God, just take care of this. No, no, no. He says, you're going to come with brokenness. God, I'm afflicted and I'm mourning and I'm weeping and my laughter, it's turned to mourning and, and my joy, it's heaviness. God, I'm sorry. Friend, how close are you to the Lord this morning? He says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. There may be some in this room that can say with a pure heart before God, God, you are my one and only love and, and I'm truly clean before you. I hope that there's some in this room, that that's what you're able to pray. And, and that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's amazing. But, but the reality is, more than likely for most, if you really get closer and closer to God, you start to see some things that need to be taken care of and need to be dealt with. There may be some in this room that you can see it from a long ways away, and you're going, oh man, yeah, there's some things I need to take care of. We've said it before, and we'll say it again. Listen, if there's ever been a time in your life that you were closer to God than you are right now, then by definition, you are backslidden. If there's ever been a time in your life that you could go back to and you were closer to God than you are in this moment, you're backslidden, and that means you could be closer to God. If that's you this morning, can I encourage you to humbly and brokenly come to God and deal with your sin? And I've got great news to you for you. As we finish up, look at James 4.10. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord 
and he shall lift you up. It's amazing. Here, here's, here's how it works. When we come to God with a broken heart and we bow before him with our face, and, and God, I'm sorry that I did this. You know what he does? It, it's amazing. It's almost like he reaches down and he grabs your tin and he pulls it up and says, I forgive you, you're my child. Wow. I hope that's the relationship you have with your heavenly father. And if it's not, I hope you'll find it today. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. What powerful verses in this passage. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. I hope that is your hope and your prayer today. I hope when you walk out of the doors of this building that you can truly say, God, I am closer to you than I've ever been. But to do that, it's going to take some people, some believers, some Christians to say, man, my hands are kind of dirty. My heart has been unpure. And God, I haven't responded to you the way that I should. God, help me. God, in brokenness, God, I'm sorry about my sin. And God, I come to you asking you for forgiveness. Oh, we have a loving Father. The Bible tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And God will do that in your heart today. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, today is the day. Don't put it off. The loving Father extending his hand to you saying, I want you to spend eternity with me. Oh, don't reject it. Accept it. In brokenness, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your salvation. Will you forgive me for my sins? Oh, that's where it all begins. You become a child of God. It's amazing the life that you can live in him after that. This morning, I hope every person walks out of this room closer to God than you've ever been before. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, the music's going to play. Let's stand together as it does. Can I encourage you to respond to the Lord this morning? Maybe you want to come to an altar. Lead us in this song.